You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back to the Church Life Podcast, and happy Wednesday. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope that the Advent devotions are helping everybody have their heart in the right place as we celebrate the season with a great sense of expectation. Well, my guest from the church family today is Gareth Bonner. So, hey, Gareth. Hey, Ben. Good to be here. Man, I'm so glad to have you recording with us. Gareth has put together a devotion from uh, Luke chapter 2 to get us into the next chapter of the Christmas story. Gareth, man, you've been so faithful at church. You've served in a ton of ways, and I just want to thank you for serving today. It's a pleasure, and I know there's a lot a lot of people that do a lot more than I do, and uh, a lot of unsung heroes out there. Well, I love our church family, and I appreciate all of those unsung heroes, but let's kick off our devotion from Luke chapter 2. So, Gareth, what do you have for us? Well, my scripture I'm going to read is Luke 2, 1 through 5, so we're going to start off with that, and it reads in this way. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was first This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, my main point here, and... and, when I was assigned these verses, you know, it's some pretty basic information that we've always, uh, yeah. you know, we've heard this yep. growing up. You know, Luke 2 is the place you go for the Jesus story, the, the birth story. Um, and so I was thinking, what in the world am I going to pull out of this? Um, and truth be told, I learned a lot. As awesome. I, as I went to Google, the source of all knowledge, and... Uh, and, and looked it up, I learned a, a whole lot. And the, the main point, the main theme that I kept going back to is God's timing uh, as well as God, God's purposes. And so I, I put here a devotional point. God can use anything to accomplish His purposes, and His timing is always perfect. Awesome. So my first point here, I've got a, I think it's a three-point, maybe a four-point sermon. (laughs) I gave y'all a bonus point. I know. All right, so the first point I have is is the decree, and and we know the definition of of decree as as an order of law, an an imperial edict, so to speak. So Caesar Augustus had recently put an end to what was called tax farming, or taxing an entire community. And hear me out. I know it sounds boring, but hear me out. So in the tax farming system, collectors would bid for the right to collect in particular regions and pay the state in advance for the collection. And there was a problem with that because um, there could be collusion um, in which uh, collectors could collude with local magistrates and farmers to buy large quantities of grain at low rates and hold it until a time of shortage and then charge people a lot of money for it. And so we always think, you know, you know, this this governor came in and, and did this census, and that sounds like a really negative thing, but the census that he put into place um, actually turned out to allow for less corruption. And so they went to a direct taxation, uh, which families were required to pay a wealth tax of 1% and a flat poll tax on each adult, and that is why there was a census 
to figure out how many adults needed to be taxed. And all this is working to bring Joseph back to his homeland, which is going to fulfill all these prophecies. And Ben, I could just see you geeking out here. I can just see you I'm loving it. just really diving into this history here. And I can't take credit for, for this information. I learned all this over the past week. And uh, <laughs> it is pretty interesting. Um, and so God used an earthly ruler's decree. And we kind of classify rulers as, as good and bad rulers sometimes. But but uh, they can all be used for, for God's glory. So God used that earthly ruler's decree to guide Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to fulfill Micah 5 too, which says, yep. you know, but you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth one who is to be the ruler yeah. in Israel. And so that that's kind of a background of, of the whole thing with the, the decree. You know, I taught in the classroom for a few years, and that was one of our vocab words. And uh, so we would talk about decree, and this is always a good example of that word, that Luke 2. So my, my first point there, to sum up my first point, God used that decree, an earthly ruler's decree, and we don't hear much about him after that uh, with the Jesus birth story. He used that decree to guide them to Bethlehem. Now, the second point I have is the betrothal. Betrothal. Betrothal? I would say betrothal. Betrothal. Oh, you did that kind of soft the. All right, betrothal. Maybe it's just your cold. It probably is. I have okay. a pretty good cold today. <laughs> so... I, I learned that, that betrothal, and, and I knew that kind of meant a committed relationship. Right. We know they're going to get married, but it was different than an engagement. Right, a little bit it, stronger. A lot more legally binding. Yes, it was. Um, so when people decided to get betrothed, the, the families of the prospective bride and groom would meet, and they would have some witnesses present. And the young man would give his wife an article of value, like a ring, or a document promising to marry her. This was a binding ag- agreement and could only be broken by divorce or death. He would then say something along the lines of, See by this token, thou art set apart for me according to the law of Moses and Israel. I don't know if he said it in the King James Version. Right, but in either case, it's, it's a betrothal. Not. It is a betrothal. Basically, I will marry you, I promise to marry you. The wedding would occur a year or more afterward. So they're not even married. They basically have, you know, with with engagements these days, you know, you have a, you know, you put your picture on social media, we got engaged or or whatever, but you don't really have an engagement ceremony. Yeah, that's right. You might might get your friends to help you set something special up. Right. But there's not a ceremony. Very individual. Your families aren't quite as deeply involved. It's not legally binding. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, you got witnesses at this, this betrothal. It's serious. And so... Remember that Mary had gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth. So within the year between the betrothal ceremony and the wedding ceremony, Mary was found to be with child. And and there's interesting timing right there. You know, it seems like that a lot of stuff is happening to stress Mary and Joseph out. Honestly, from a human perspective, and I know on this end of it, we can see, oh, Mary, Mary and Joseph, you know that this is God's son. And, you know, Joseph, she's pregnant with, with God's son, so you don't need to worry. It's all going to be okay. But, you know, do we often put ourselves in Joseph's shoes? Right. My wife just returned from somewhere, <laughs> and she is very pregnant. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so you can imagine there were lots of conversations, uh, possibly some stressful conversations, even though Joseph and Mary did have the, the dreams to confirm, um, you know, the, the conception. Um, 
but God's timing, once again, is always right, and, and He will use all these things for His purposes. Um, and then I, I wanted to research the, the journey. You know, they, they had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, on today's roads, I went to Google Maps because that's where we go. There you go. So on today's roads, it should take about one day and eight hours if you walked. You know, one person who's probably in good health with walking shoes and you walked on these nice smooth roads one day and eight hours. But if you take away the quality of the roads and you add an uphill journey with a very pregnant wife, it most likely took five to ten days uh, for Mary and Joseph to get there, which was 90 miles from Nazareth. And from Nazareth, they would have traveled south along flatlands of the Jordan, then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem, and finally into Bethlehem, which is in Judea on a mountain 2,600 feet tall. So all that doesn't sound that easy. So God used those difficult circumstances as well to work his purposes according to his promise. So, as I began to land the plane, imagine the trials Mary and Joseph had already endured personally. Remember, you know, people were probably pointing a lot of fingers at Mary uh, and also at Joseph. You know, why don't you get rid of her? Mm-hmm. If, if she right. has, has come up pregnant here, you know, obviously y'all haven't been together. Pointing at Mary and Joseph. Uh, relationally between each other, they've had to talk a lot about things. Did you have a dream? I had a dream too, you know. And imagine that was interesting. I would imagine. And Ben, I'm not letting you talk much, and I apologize for That's that. That's all right. Um, socially, you know, also, so they they've endured a lot of trials, personally, relationally, and socially. Um, Joseph most likely perceived that Mary had committed adultery during the betrothal period and, you know, before uh, he was visited uh, in his dream. Uh, Society assumed that he would have her stoned or divorce her. Uh, Even though Joseph and Mary still had the divine dreams to tell them of Jesus' birth, they still had human doubts. And oftentimes we get a moment of God, we have a little bit of an epiphany or a revelation or a special moment with God or perhaps a mountaintop experience and then Satan begins to plant doubts in, in our heads and in our hearts and uh, and we wonder about God's promise and will he fulfill it and then we begin to endure trials and journey you know, God if you want this to happen why do I have to use a donkey and a really rocky road and yeah. up a mountain 90 miles to to get to this place So their situation very likely made them the subject of speculation and perhaps ridicule. Uh, And we think about these days, long trips can be frustrating enough with soft seats, cup holders, and entertaining devices. Take all that away and imagine putting a young lady on the verge of childbirth on a donkey and walking with her from Pedal to New Orleans. Not on I-59, but through the woods and deserts. The route from Nazareth to Bethlehem was also home to robbers and wild animals. And once again, they're not in the the warm, safe cab of a car. Right. But you add all that together, and you think about, you know, what are the odds that all this, 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 and this would happen to bring about the birth of Jesus? And then you think about, it talks about the lineage of David. Um, You think about some of the people in that genealogy. If you look back at Matthew 1, you know, you've got Rahab in there. You've got the wife of Uriah in there. You've got Tamar. And then you've got a bunch of men who made some, some boneheaded decisions and, and bad choices. Um, even the lineage of David, God can use all these things to bring his promise and his glory. 
And so finally, um, Mary and Joseph's faith helped them press on and see their goal, though they were young and experienced, subject to ridicule, vulnerable to predators along the way. God used all these unlikely elements to fulfill his promise of a savior. The timing of a new tax law, a required census, Mary's conception of Jesus, the trials of an early marriage, a dangerous trip, and some unlikely ancestors were all elements that God used to bring about the birth of his son Jesus. And once again, just to drive home my my point here, God can use anything to accomplish his purposes and his timing is always perfect. That's awesome. It's so cool to me to think that, you know, Far away in Rome, you've got this mention of this emperor, and you've got this governor, Quirinius, and then this little small town, Bethlehem, at the end of a long, long hike, you have this pregnant virgin that's about to give birth to the real ruler of the world. That's right. And I know you enjoy hiking. I do, indeed. Ben, um, this was not a hike that they planned on. Right. Right. And not, not, not... Not quite as pregnant as Mary either, you know. Listen, that's awesome for me to think about in Luke chapter 2, just the way that God had orchestrated what seemed like normal events and not even pleasant ones, but all this so that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem of the line of David to redeem the world. So, Gareth, thanks for being with us today, man. Church family, I hope that you find some encouragement in the devotion that Gareth brought and the depth of study. Man, I really appreciate you uh, digging so deeply into the background of the passage. Yes, sir. I enjoyed it and I learned a lot. Awesome. Thanks, Gareth.